dear, dear, dear. Well, welcome to episode 145 of Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy. Miss Henny. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded in an evening. Is that true? No, <laughs> I can't remember. The last time we recorded, it was in the, it was daytime. Well, the time before that, it was um, a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, we, yeah, we've had a real wonky recording schedule. Anyway, we are back to our regular recording schedule, which makes no difference for people listening because episodes no. just keep on rolling out on Tuesdays. Yeah. But for us, it has felt a little helter-skelter or maybe just for me. <laughs> yeah no no it's been it's been it's been wonky you know so you know what happened today yeah. sandy this just i i wasn't even going to say this on the podcast because it's not that important but i it just made me think of it because you were <laughs> laughing at me saying helter skelter today someone some so someone on this book chat that i'm in said every tuesday I'm in this big like group and every Tuesday it's like the, what are you reading post? And so everyone is like writing, it's like, it's in discord. So it's in like a little social media chat room kind of. Right. And it's like, you know, what are you reading? What are you reading? And so people always post anyway. So someone posted that they were listening to an audio book and that it was narrated by a particular person. And the person who narrated it, who was narrating that book, her name is Elizabeth Acevedo, and she's also an author, but it wasn't her book that she was narrating, it's someone, someone else's. But I absolutely adore her voice. Okay. And so, and so I have listened to, I've listened to her narrate her own, I think two of her own books, but I've listened to her narrate, I think three other books that uh, by other authors. And so when this person posted that they were listening to this book and that this is who was narrating it, I wrote back, I would listen to Elizabeth Acevedo, like read a telephone book. Yeah. Like I just love her. And so then some other person, I don't know who these people are, Sandy. There are a few people in the group that I do know who they are, but not many. So this other random person messages me and says, were you a theater major? Because the only person I have ever heard use that expression about like reading a phone book was an old theater professor of mine from like years ago. <laughs> and I, and so I said, I actually was a theater major, but that's really weird. And she was like, Oh my goodness. Like, that's so crazy. She's like, I, he, she's like, it was like a blast from the past to see the expression. And, you know, she's like, and I reached out to some people that I went to school with like 50 years ago just because you had me thinking about it like it was super super cute so then I respond I don't know if it's an I don't know if it's a theater thing so much as an age thing like, like maybe it's just an old person expression because typically the expressions that I use <laughs> yeah are old people expressions but anyway so then I was just thinking about that because of how very skelter. cute yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> but is that an expression that you would say? Reading a, a, a telephone yeah, book? Yeah, like you would listen to someone read the phone book if you liked their voice? Mm, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I would use that. But you're right. It's an age thing because we remember what a, a phone book is. Fair. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because a couple of my, like a couple of my youngest siblings, I don't know as they would even know what a phone book was. Yeah. Well, that's like, what, when do you think they stopped printing the phone books? I would say they stopped printing them in the early 2000s. I would say, hmm. I would guess like, I think actually when I moved into my condo, that was in 2011. At yeah. that point, if you wanted a phone book, you had to request it. And it was, I think at that point, it might have been only yellow pages. And you had to request it in order to get it. So it must have been somewhere in the early 2000s when they stopped printing phone books. That would be my guess. So it looks like 2012. Ooh, that was a little bit later than I thought. Although, if in 2011 you could still request it, they were still printing them, right? Yeah. No, no. 2017 residential phone books no longer automatically available in several cities. By you can by moving to a by request only. That was 2017. Oh wow. 2017. Wow. Wait, what city am I in? I must be in the U.S. I was gonna say that feels way. That feels way too recent. No, Canada's largest printer, online and mobility. Huh. Affected cities include Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Edmonton. Wow. That, it really surprises me that people could still get a phone book only like, five years ago. Yeah. I mean, you and it would always, like, you'd have, like, your rotary phone or the, then it went to push button and you'd have that thing like the, the desktop kind of one sitting on top of the phone book. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And then, and then did you like the phone on the wall? Like my mom had, I don't know how many cords because it, she would be like talking all day on the phone to people, but still like preparing food mm -hmm. and whatever. So you would cradle the phone under your yeah. neck and then you'd be walking around, but then you'd get the cord like, Oh, sit around. Yes. And then if you, so so we used to get in trouble if we used the phone and we like went somewhere with the phone such that the cord was like pulled or twisted if we didn't like yes. untwist it when we hung it back up on the receiver like it needed yeah. to be back in its original mm -hmm. state <laughs> <laughs> or there would be hell to pay well and because you would hold, you would take the cord in your hand and let the receiver dangle and then allow the cord to like unwind unwind exactly, unwind exactly exactly so it would right. spin around that's exactly yes, but if it hit you it would hurt <laughs> yes it would <laughs> and how many like did you ever like or i remember like a couple of times like swinging up hitting me in the mouth okay you know I don't... because I don't you know want... you're like fiddling around with the thing and yeah. and trying it cuz you know you could get like really long phone cords put on it, yeah. you know, anyway. Well, and then when they went to cordless, that was a big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it also was a big deal because people wouldn't put it back on the thing to charge it. And then it's dead. That is exactly what I'm thinking of. We always had Oof. two and one was on the, the, the charger at all times and the other was not. Wow. My goodness. We had it so tough. <laughs> yeah, it's so tough. Kids today, I mean, they're so lucky. They're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, speaking of kids today, uh, last week we were talking briefly about craft dinner. Yes. 
Mm. So I posted on our on our Instagram page, uh, or a, on our Instagram stories about craft dinner, and like on a scale of one to delicious, you know, what do you feel yeah. about craft dinner? People typically are pro craft dinner. Yes, I'm telling you. Yeah. And so then I also oh, I also asked if people had craft dinner with hot dogs. Yes, cut up hot dogs. If people had craft dinner with ketchup. Yeah. And the majority of people said yes to both. Good. And so Kim actually sent me a special message to say that she had it with hot dogs and ketchup. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, But she said that they only ever had the hot dogs on the side. So it was like craft dinner with ketchup and hot dog with ketchup but not hot dog in the craft dinner. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I wanted to like clarify with her were the hot dogs boiled? And she said, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And then my (laughs) sister-in-law messaged me to tell me that while she is very uh, particular about ketchup use, she said ketchup. (laughs) Ketchup belongs on three things, burgers, hot dogs, and fries, and only in moderation. (laughs) But she said that that one of her sons, one of my nephews, put ketchup on his broccoli last night. Mm -hmm. And she said she was close to vomiting. (laughs) That, that, That sounds like, you know, a, a, a possible bare naked lady lyric. And I put ketchup on my broccoli. Mm. <laughs> right? It really does. It really does. Well, so my, I don't really my know brother, yeah, my brother used thinking. to have ketchup sandwiches. Like just ketchup on bread? Yes. Is that not disgusting? He, yes. lo- he loved ketchup on everything. Yeah, like bologna and ketchup sandwiches. Like so, the, so my brothers used to do that. Bologna and ketchup on a sandwich. I was never a bologna fan. Were Me you? Neither. No. And so I remember, like, never in my life did I like bologna. And like as a kid, like really, really did not like bologna. And I remember my, well, I think one of my aunts took us camping one summer and one of the meals one of the picnic meals we had she had like pre-made these bologna and ketchup sandwiches and I like I have always been a child and an adult who likes to eat I have always been in a body that looks like I am a child or an adult who likes to eat. Like, I just, I always have been that person. Sandy, I was like, I I remember where, like, I remember the beach that we were on. I remember, like, and I could not eat these sandwiches it was so and and I remember my aunt being so irritated with me because of course it was like I was ungrateful because I'm not eating this meal and I'm like you know like you know I'm sure I was being over the top about it (laughs) theater major Um, (laughs) but like I just couldn't I couldn't handle it like I could not stomach these sandwiches and I remember her being like you had hot dogs last night it's the same thing no, really. I don't think that a hot dog and bologna is the same thing. Yeah. I mean, are they both processed meat? Yes. Meat are in they quotation marks? Yes. yes. Are, are they both a mixture of a bunch of stuff? 
yes. But they don't taste the same. No, no, they don't taste the same. Yeah, it's kind of give. Yeah, it gives me the heebie-jeebies just to think about it. No, no, thank you. Hundred percent. No, no, <laughs> hard no. No, thank you. It's it's not for me. No, not for me either. <laughs> it's not for me. I no. also, you know, what other? Now I'm just thinking about cold cuts because I was thinking about bologna. My brothers, when we were growing up, my brothers loved mortadella. Did you ever eat that? No. I no. I also did not like that. Give me, give me a summer sausage. Give me a salami. Give me a black forest ham. Yeah. Give me a roast beef. I like any of that stuff. But no. Bologna, no. A mortadella, uh, no. No, we used to have. I think it was called mock chicken, the one that had the macaroni and the little bits in it. Oh, Do you know I've, what? I'm, I okay. So I know that. To oh. get grocery store i have never had that (laughs) and judging by that reaction i never will nasty what about liverwurst no i love liverwurst no i like it now but as a kid no Mm, as a kid i liked it too no i used to have peanut butter and honey sandwiches oh or peanut butter not even honey peanut butter and the corn syrup, the one that's in the yellow. Yep, I know it. Uh-huh. The, the beehive. You got it, baby. Yeah, I you know. Mm, that would be delicious. And after it has sat for a while, mm-hmm, it's good. Really good. I mean, peanut butter with anything. Yeah. I'm down for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as usual, we've gone down the rabbit hole of <laughs> absolutely... Shoot shit type food (laughs) (laughs) which which we treat equally (laughs) along with broccoli not dousing ketchup not dousing ketchup (laughs) absolutely you know what i was enjoying the other day was just some grape tomatoes i had like a container of grape tomatoes that i that i i think i got them thinking i would use them in a salad but then i for whatever reason i didn't and i just like grabbed a handful and was just like you know munching away as i was doing other things delicious well you know i i mean i eat them now you know after the squirt remember the whole thing as though they squirt in my mouth and whatever so i do eat them but i do yeah they're okay i mean it's not if they were on a veg tray it's not the first thing i'm grabbing Ooh, i i love them more than carrots No, not more than carrots. Carrots, carrots are my favorite. So I, I was going to ask you, on the veggie tray, yes. what, what are you grabbing on the veggie tray? So I'm going to grab the carrots, yeah. I'm going to grab the cucumber, and yeah. I'm going to grab the cherry tomatoes or the grape tomatoes. Those yeah. are the three things I'm going to grab every time. So, you know, as I said it, I was setting you up for you to ask me that question because I knew you would. Yeah. So I would go first. Um, I would probably... I would grab the carrot. Next would be the bell peppers. Mm. And then after that would be celery. Cauliflower before broccoli. Broccoli, I don't, I'm not a fan of eating it raw. I will. I'm not particularly fond of either cauliflower or broccoli when they're raw. I mean, I would eat either one raw, but I'm not going to choose either one raw. Well, I'm more apt to eat it if there's a dip. Celery is one of those things that, like, celery is underrated, you know? Yeah. Like, I think, 
I forget that I actually quite enjoy it. You know, like, like I would never think like, oh, there's some celery, I'll grab some. But whenever I do have a piece of celery, I'm like, mm, this is like crunchy and satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. Bell peppers. I'm not a huge fan of a raw pepper. Hmm. I love a stuffed pepper. Yeah. I love peppers like cooked and stuff. I would eat a raw pepper, but I'm <laughs> but I'm not gonna pick one. I love that we just spend way too much time thinking about, you know, if we would like, would we even want to waste our time eating that? <laughs> like, I mean, if it's there, I'll have it. But, <gasps> but, I mean, it, but it's fun. It's fun to think about food, isn't it? I guess. I mean. <laughs> I mean Sure. Sure, it's fun. <laughs> okay, tell me about the book that you're reading right now. Oh, my goodness. So you told me about this book, Shocker. Yes, there. I did. Shocker. I had already seen the movie that was made based on a book. So the book is called Nomad Land. Mm. Um, Nomad Land, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder. Man, that's so good. It is so good. So the book basically is about this community of people who end up living in um, like like a vehicle of some sort. So it could be a car, it could be a motorhome, it could be a van with a conversion. And the movie covered bits of a couple of people's stories. But I had no idea until you, Penny mentioned this book that it was actually, the book was written by a um, uh, someone who had traveled around mm. and spent time living as a, as a part of the community yeah. and, the, and, and the culture to really understand it and, and then wrote about her experience. Mm. Certain people she spent more time with telling their stories and then I think the most interesting thing to me was that most of these people are 55 plus. I would say most of them are actually 60 plus. Yeah, that was my impression. That this culture of people living as a nomad, meaning that they go f around this, it was in the U.S., but go around different parts of the U.S. depending on the time of year, so it's weather, but also from job to job because they have living this way as a result of some sort of a circumstance that has happened. And, and it seems that a lot of the culture kind of exploded a bit um, with the financial crash of 2008 and yes. where people ended up, the value of their homes depreciated, their savings were lost. There was a lot of people losing their jobs at that time. And these people who were already at a point in their careers or their life where they were already looking towards retirement mm. ended up being forced into something and or losing everything that they had saved, mm -hmm. walking away from homes that they just allowed the banks to come and foreclose, mm -hmm. taking whatever money they had and buying something that they on wheels that they would be able to live in. 
but the unfortunate part is that now they they've lost their stream of income and so are forced to find different types of work so that they can just survive yeah the heartwarming part of it is that this community of nomads are very um supportive of each other yeah. and very loving very giving um so that that is nice for people who are in a situation that they maybe wouldn't have chose to do. But the type of work that they end up doing is really shit work yeah. for people at that point in their life. It's physically demanding work. It's minimum wage work. There are no benefits. It's ad hoc. So they can be let go at any time after traveling from one point in the U.S. to another point. And one of the biggest employers who actually realized that it, they, they had a, a firm that was helping them with doing some recruiting during busy times um, was Amazon. Mm -hmm. And now Amazon has a whole program just targeting mm -hmm. these types of people for this type of employment. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, such that they even have like a lot for people to park in during the season that they're working at their distribution yes. centers. Yes. And I would say, I would, I mean, I found the book extremely interesting. I would recommend that people, you know, to read it, mm -hmm. not just because of the interesting stories of, of the, the people that she has interviewed and spent time with and, and you hear their whole story, but also I was, I, I am mesmerized, shocked, disgusted in some points and mind blown about the conditions that Amazon has their employees working under. Yeah. And that you hear a little bit about it. I mean, you hear about them. Walmart has often been um, exposed mm -hmm. for, for some wrongdoings, et cetera. And these are, these are in the U.S. So. I know that depending on what state they're in, that the rules are very different in the way that they can operate. And Amazon also understands that, which is why they're lo they're um, located wherever, are, yeah, 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 wherever where they, are. they are. But the 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 kicker is is that they're working these people long, long hours. They actually have dispensers on the on the the warehouse floor for pain medication, like over the counter pain medication. There that is available for them for free to go and use. There were so many things like that, that when I was reading the book, I was like, I don't know if I should be impressed yes. or horrified. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yes. I really was like, I really was walking a fine line between those two things because yeah, like absolutely the dispensers of pain meds, but also like, that they start every shift with like yeah. stretches, you know, yeah. like stuff like that, that I was like, yeah. on one hand, you're like, okay, like you're mm -hmm. doing these things, you know, to like support the health of your workers. But then on the other hand, it's like, okay, but you're supporting the health of your workers because you need them to work, not because you care about their health. And also maybe we could like, change the way the job is 
run so that we don't need to worry about these things so much. Yeah. Like it was, it was very insightful. Yeah. And like, yeah. obviously, you know, there's a huge section of this book that is dedicated to Amazon because a couple of the people that the author, uh, you know, befriended, um, took a job at Amazon for a season and and they do talk about the fact that as far as like of all the different jobs that are temporary that they can get that this is one that pays well yeah yeah you know but i mean i mean so so like such terrible work conditions really but and you have to believe like i i have to believe that any major corporation any factory kind of job like like this is not unique and like you're saying Sam, yeah. it's not unique to amazon but i do kind of feel like the bigger the company gets maybe the more likely this kind of yeah yeah situation may occur yeah and and Phil said was it to make you like like amazon less and i said well, there's already some things i mean thing it's so damn it's convenient and you can get anything and it's fast but there's a cost of fast too you know there's like sometimes you get stuff and they they send it in in this massive box for like one little thing and you're just like why did you need because it's not just about the size of the box that you've used but it also occupied space in a truck somewhere that you could have had other stuff in so now you have more vehicles on like it's just the whole the whole thing is like how do we how do we balance out the things that we want to have mm -hmm. the uh, convenience mm -hmm. against we don't really think about who is working and and fulfilling these orders like even when they said you know the one woman had a job where she um as stuff came to the warehouse it had to be um distributed through to different totes on the mm -hmm. on the floor in the warehouse but you couldn't put more so say you had 10 of the same book you couldn't put all 10 books in the one bin you had to strategically put them into different places because if you have them all in one spot it actually um, increases the picking time for people who are actually the pickers of the orders so yeah. they've they're so fine tuned to that. And I think really focused in on that, but not so much on the effect that it's having on the human being that's actually yeah. having to do the work. Because the other thing is once you sign in and you have your RF gun, your gun, mm -hmm. it is clocking you on how much time it is taking you to pack and pick orders on every single job you have. and. And then, I mean, they're, they're collecting that information for a reason. Yeah. Like if you're not fast enough. Yeah. You're out the door basically. Yeah. 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 Without taking into consideration the age of the person, like mm -hmm. any of those things, mm -hmm. you cannot expect someone who is 20 years old and as a picker and someone that's 70 years old are going to be able to move at the same pace. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I would hazard a guess that sometimes maybe the older the person is, they may be a little bit more um, accurate sometimes because they they might take that extra second mm -hmm. than someone who is 20 and is just quickly going through. Yeah. 
but they're certainly not going to be producing things as quickly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, the movie is good. The movie is good. The, the movie is the, good. Because the, act, the actress is, is Francis phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, she's Francis phenomenal. Yeah. And... But they also have this, it's not just Amazon, but all of the national parks in the U.S. also have these people that come to take care of the parks. So you, even though you think it's a national park that maybe the state or the the um, the government is fully responsible for running, they actually tender out the care of each park to someone and then those people are responsible for having people hired so even if they have a complaint and they complain to the the government organization or or you know who's ever in charge, they actually throw it back to the person that hired you that's making you work under the conditions. So it's it's all really you're it's they're pretty vulnerable, I think. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. To a lot I, think, of stuff. I think that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. But and what was the saying? Because they're not Oh, they they don't they don't like being referred to as homeless because they're not homeless. They're houseless. They're houseless. I yeah. loved that. I loved that. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Because because it's true, right? Like they they have a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it is true that you did get the sense from the you don't so much get the sense in the movie, but from the book, you do get the sense that there are people living this lifestyle, not of choice, but yeah. because this is what they figured that they can afford and that they can manage. But there are a lot of people who are choosing this for themselves as well, because yeah. it's it's a, a minimalistic way of living. It, yeah. and, and it does, depending on how you choose to to live and the things that are priorities to you and and the like if you're by yourself or if you're with other people or whatever but you you know a lot of these people it did seem like they had seasons where they worked and then for periods of time they wouldn't yeah you know so there was flexibility a little bit in the lifestyle like it was yeah. it was it was really interesting yeah yeah see and i can tell you i could my father would 100% love to live like that right that would not my dad basically does live like, does that, honey. Live like that my yeah. dad actually my father lives in his trailer yeah all yeah, year and he lives part of the part of the year here and part of the year in the states and he works when he's in canada and yeah. he doesn't work when he's down there yeah yeah so my dad is a nomad your dad is a nomad look at that i honestly <laughs> had never considered that just but i started saying that i'm like that is my father's freaking life and he loves it. And he loves it, yeah. You know? So it does suit some people. Yeah. I mean, my father has the um, the advantage that he gets a, a pension from working. Yes. You know, and has investments and stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. But so, my father continues so, to work, which I keep saying, but you're just accumulating more money. Like, yeah. you don't spend yeah. much. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so he 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 doesn't have to work necessarily. He, doesn't, he does not have to. He, I, no, he doesn't have to work for the financial reward of it. He has to work to because my father's still first. He's seventy five. He'll be seventy six this year. He's still pretty spry, mm -hmm. you know. And and, and so he needs he needs the busyness in his life. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it's not really necessarily health related. I guess from 
maybe it is. Maybe you can look at it that there are ways to be independent still. Mm-hmm. Because some of these uh, people also did have families that they could have gone and lived with, but they do for short periods of time when they had to, yeah. but weren't, did not enjoy that necessarily. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a, it was a great read. It and, is. and the, the film is also well worth watching, but, but the book was a real, a tr- it was a real treat. Yeah. And I have to tell you, because I, I, if I read a book, I don't watch the movie. If I watch a movie, I don't read the book. And you've done both. And I've done both. And I'm glad I did, but it was because of the way that's, that, that it's written and I'm, I'm listening yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's more little bits like stories of people yeah. and, and things. And so. it's, it's really, it's interesting too, because it starts out as sort of investigative journalism. Yeah. Where she's gone out to learn about this, but then because in order to really understand how these people live, she has to live with them for periods of like for periods of time. And so it, it has parts memoir as well, because yeah. it turns into her living this lifestyle as well like it yeah it really was quite quite a read yeah and and also because the 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 author and the the woman doing the um like like actually following them and living living that life is in her mid she's actually your age i think like yeah i think so too yeah and so, so younger than most of the people that she interacts with yeah like most of those people are her parents age yeah um, and, and so that was also interesting for her because she works, she actually works the job. She works at Amazon for like a couple of weeks and shit. Yeah. And so, and yeah. phys- the, how she physically feels. And then you can really appreciate, she said she can really appreciate how people who are so much older than her, yeah, you know, to do this day in and day out. But yeah. anyhow, anyways, Excellent. I'm so glad that you mentioned it to me because I, I wouldn't have, and it came up very quickly for me to be able to listen to. So I was absolutely thrilled about that. So here's the other thing. So Saturday, okay. Saturday's workshop, there's a lot of discussion about your limits and making adjustments to those. Mm-hmm. People were sharing uh, about uh, people in their life saying, but you know, you know, you don't you remember like, you know, when I met you, you were doing this and you were doing that and blah, 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 blah. And that the, the, uh, it was Mary and Mary's like, you know, had said to, I think it was her, her partner, like, but I'm not that person anymore. Mm. And so it, it's, I, I was thinking about, you know, my recovery right now and all yeah. the things that I was able to do and that I always obviously know that I don't know what, I have no idea when I'm going to be able to do any of the things that I was doing before. Yeah. Um, and so I have been focused about the things that I can do. And yes. so it was a good reminder. And I was thinking, oh, but I'm actually already doing those things. Because sometimes we we end up, we don't give ourselves credit for some of the things and the adjustments we've already made mm-hmm. until it's we read something or somebody, there's a discussion about it. And then you start thinking about your own situation Mm -hmm. and thinking, yeah, but that's okay because I don't need to do what I did before. I've already done that. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something you can't go back to, like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to run again. So yeah, 
you know, I've already, you start processing it Yeah. to set yourself up so that when, if I was to find out that I couldn't, then I would. Yeah. Then you're already sort of prepared for it. Kind of, kind yeah. of prepared for it. The other thing is, is that, you know, I went to see this physio doctor yesterday. And so he said to me, well, you're not going to be able to to run for probably eight months like you were you, like you're not gonna be able to run like you were in for eight months okay a what does that even mean because you don't know you yeah, don't you never asked the, me what does yeah, that what, mean like what do you yeah. assume you're making yeah. assumptions about what because he said you know, i was just gonna ask you so like did he ask you like how, how often you run or how far you run or like like, like what my does pace he mean when he's yeah. Yeah. Like, what does oh. he mean when he say when he says you're not going to be able to run like you were? Like, do you even know that information? Yeah. And so I said to he said, you know, I he said, well, you're you're gonna have to like start by like jogging, whatever. I said, okay, but my running is actually like jogging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's when I say honor, what I mean is I'm a jogger. <laughs> I mean that my feet actually like are leaving the ground a little bit faster than walking right <laughs> right at no point did you ask me like what is your average pace per kilometer no so so i said to him what okay. a strange thing for him to say without any of that information yeah so i said what the heck i said well you you do know i said like our i said we're we were running like 5k and he's like oh okay i said he said, okay. And I said, look, we, d we were doing like a 10 K on a weekend, but I mean, if I couldn't go back to that necessarily, like it wouldn't be the end. He said, well, you'll have to, he said, you'll have to, um, uh, like, what was the word he used? Not pace yourself, hmm. but run. I said, I, but what we do now, I said, I do 10 and ones now. He's oh. like, oh, <laughs> okay. Intervals. He said, you'll have to do like oh. interval. Like I said, but I do 10 and 1s. Oh, I said, yeah, I've run marathons doing 10 and 1s. Like, yeah. always do 10 and 1s. He's like, oh, okay. He said, well, then you might just need to start with like 5 and 2s or 7 and 3 or something. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I expected that. Yeah. So my whole point of saying this is that sometimes people think they know what we were doing before, but they mm. actually don't know because they don't ask enough, mm -hmm. but they also don't necessarily know what's important to us. Like what, no one's asked me so far, like, what is it that you want to achieve? Like, what is the mm -hmm. level of fitness you want to mm -hmm. get back to? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. right now I just want to get off crutches. So that would be a start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> you know, but, but anyways, I, I really took a lot, like after the, the workshop, really thought a lot about that and that, you know, how I'd, I, I was, I shared with you, like, I happened to find like a, a hit class for, a hit class for people who are wearing a boot for a leg or ankle injury. Seriously. I mean, truly, truly anything you could possibly want to find on the internet, it is there. I know. So it's that, but. I never would have considered that. Like I was already on fit on doing like seated yoga. Mm -hmm. I was like arm, just arms only workout. Like, so thinking, okay, well they're weights or push-ups. I can do those kind of things. Even if I'm sitting, if they're standing, you know, that's okay. But I hadn't even thought about that. So 
I, it's, it was just, it was, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it gave me, I felt good because I was already doing those things, yeah. you know, that I'd yeah. already, without really even considering that I had done it, I had was yeah. already making those adjustments about not thinking about what people are telling me that, well, you should be able to get to do this. You know, you won't be able to do that, you know, but, and allowing other people to put those sort of limits on what we can or cannot do or what they think we, we have done. Mm-hmm. So interesting because the, I was reading a book earlier this week and there are a few things that are, that are really interesting that I took from it. But one of the sections was talking about, and it's related to this. This is why I'm thinking of it because it was really talking about that we need to stop focusing on why and how, and we just have to focus on what. Yeah. And so, and the thinking was, you know, that we get ourselves wound up about, well, why did this happen? Why did I do this? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I figure this out? Why, you know, or how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get around this? How, like, you know, how, you know, how is this going to work? And what we really have to just focus on is what is actually the situation? Yeah. What is actually what's happening right now? What is, what is, what is the place where I am right now? Mm-hmm. What is the place where I want to be tomorrow? You know, like it's, if we just focused on what was happening, we would be more successful moving forward than if we get caught up in the why and the how. And, and when I, when I read that this week, I, I wasn't thinking about the workshop on Saturday, Although now that you've said that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's kind of like, like what the thinking that you've just gone through is exactly that. Like thinking about instead of wondering why it is that you're in this situation and how you're going to survive it, it's just like, okay, well, what do I have right now? What Mm -hmm. can I figure out? Instead of wondering, instead of allowing other people to tell me how things are going to look, you know, what is the truth at the moment, you know? And yeah. And I was thinking about WW because in the spring of last year, we had an onslaught of training. And at the time, it was wild because I was working a full-time job. And then all of a sudden, in a four-week period, we had like 14 hours of training. And and I was like, I, what is all of this about, you know, but it was some of the best training that we've had through WW ever. And it was all about behavior change and how to like what behavior change is, what the theory behind it is and how to coach yourself, but coach people through the idea of behavior change. And one of the key things secrets ww secrets one of the key things is that and the trainer like would 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 say it over and over and over again is focus on the what and so she so she the trainer went through with us like 
a sample of like a discussion or a conversation that you could have like a WW coach and a WW member and what would happen. Like if the member says this, what does the coach say? And she did it with a couple of people. And so she was like, okay, so imagine I'm a member and I say this and then like people's responses every time was, you know, something like, well, why did that happen? Or why, you know, or it was, okay, how are you going to like avoid that this week? Or like, you know, everyone's response was a why or a how. And the whole point of the training was because every time they did it, she would be like, no. And I was like, oh dear. (laughs) But the whole point of the training was that we're we're supposed to spend the majority of our conversation asking people what questions and not spend all the time on the why and the how and so then yeah. when i like when i'm hearing you talk i'm thinking that is exactly that is exactly what you've carried yourself through thinking mm. okay what is the actual scenario? What do I want out of this? What do I want for myself right now? What can I do in this very moment? What am I already doing? Like it's all of these things rather than building up all of this worry about, because that's the thing with why and how is that we don't necessarily have answers. And so then we just get ourselves wound up. And for what reason? Yeah. It's, but you know what that really all is, is, it's the reality check. Yeah. It's reality checking the situation that is happening right now mm-hmm. and getting rid of all of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I really, I do, I, I do try really to do that now. It doesn't yeah. always, it's not always the first thing that comes, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's yeah, a, yeah. a bit of a process, but um, I, you know, I said to the guy yesterday, I said, here's, my number one focus is to do whatever I can to to make sure that I have a fast and a good recovery. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do because mm-hmm. I've already now, I've already committed. I already did the surgery. I'm not doing this again. I don't want to go through this again. Yeah. You know, and I'm really, it's taken every day. It takes effort for me because I'm not getting on the scale because I can't stand on it properly. So yeah. that's just, what's the point yeah. like of getting on it and whatever. Yeah. And, and so I have to like, let that go because you know, I'm a twice a day wear. Yes. So yes. to not do that, to just kind of be like, I, right now I've only two weeks out of surgery. I've still got swelling. Like even if I got on it, it wouldn't even be a true reflection or whatever. It's, I just need to, you know, obviously watch what I'm eating, which I already do, but I have to adjust my, I do have to adjust my habits or my pattern of eating that was Mm -hmm. prior when I was being more active because the activity does play a role, mm-hmm. but the majority of it isn't. It's what I'm putting in my mouth. And so yeah. it's yeah. finding that, that right balance. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I can understand. I mean, you told me about the training at the time, but just now you saying it again is that I understand because those are the things like the responses that people were giving are the things that we have for so long always been the automatic 
mm-hmm. question to ask mm-hmm. in life to people. Yes. I think because we are, well, and and we have talked about this in another context as well, just in, in the, you know, in the context of, you know, when you complain to someone and what is it that you're actually looking yes. for them, right? But like, yeah. but people in general, I think we want to be helpful. And so I think our, our initial gut reaction is some sort of like advice giving or planning. Yeah. And so that's why when people say things, I think we immediately go to, well, you know, what can, like, like, how can you do this next week or this week? Or, you know, why didn't you try this? Or why don't you try this? Or, you know, and whereas really none of that is helpful. No, none of that is helpful because even if it is really great advice for you, it's not necessarily really great advice for me, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. And, and often when we say things, often what happens to, I think, and this happens in whatever scenario, but I see it happen with myself and with, with other people with in WW all the time is that often when we say one thing, people have advice for us for that that one thing that we've said but that one thing that we've said is not the issue yes exactly right yeah so like you know so I might say like oh like I you know I you know snack you know snacked on potato chips every night this week and so then right away people go to yes oh you know don't eat after seven or brush your teeth or, or, or you know, have do something that your hands are busy with busy or, or yeah. you know, eat some, you know, fruit instead of potato chips. And like, and, and people have that advice because a, they're trying to be helpful yeah. and B, if the, tr- if the real problem was that someone was compulsively eating potato chips or I was compulsively eating potato chips, then these are solutions that might help me yeah but nine times out of ten that's not the actual problem right so I'm telling you that I was compulsively eating potato chips but the problem was that I had an argument and I was feeling bad or like whatever it was right like like there's you know there's or I didn't I was so overwhelmed with, with, with work that I didn't eat anything all day or like like there's always something not always. There's often something else going on and that's not the thing that gets said. And yeah. so the whole point of the focus on the what is to find the root of the problem. Yeah. Because it's often not what you're eating, but what's eating you. Very good. That's the title of our episode, Sandy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what's eating you? I like it. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you're right because we we're always just yeah, it's the outcome. It's not it's not the 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 root of of what it is. But, no. Yeah. So this book that I'm that I was reading and I um when I got about halfway through I was like Sandy needs to read this. So I sent so I sent it to you. So I'm excited for you to read it too. It's called Unwinding Anxiety. 
I'm not really a hundred percent sure how this book came to my. <laughs> I, you know what, honey, it's I, I, anyone else out listening. Like, <laughs> I often just love when she says that. I'm not sure how this came to my wheelhouse. <laughs> like, how did it end up on my read? Because it's probably Tim's. <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> okay. But this is we actually Tim and I legitimately had a conversation about this on the weekend because because he because a book came up on my on my library account and he messaged me to say this is my book right and I said yes that's your book and I said and he's like but you're reading a book that I want to read and I said okay but I asked for it right like it's my book you just want to read it and he was like yes 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 he's like I didn't request that book you did but I want to read it after you oh my goodness so funny. seriously anyway, truly I don't know how this book came came across my shelf but it I mean I must have seen it or heard it somewhere and I thought like it's called unwinding anxiety and so I thought it was going to be about like you know calming you know like you know sort of understanding anxiety a little bit better like I thought it would be an interesting psychological read like I thought this might be I don't know useful for like uh for my students or for I have a couple of siblings with some anxiety um difficulties and Sandy the whole book is about habits the whole thing and really and every example, he really focuses on three examples, smoking, overeating, and anxiety. And he uses all three as examples of like the way that our thinking works and how to like get out of those un unhelpful huh. processes. It, okay. it was really great. Okay. It was not at all what I thought it was going to be, but it was really, really great. And he had this whole, the, the focus on the what, not the why, but I, I'm just going to give you an overarching idea of what it is. So you know what you're getting into. And then after you've read it, we can talk yep. a bit more specifically. But okay. Really the book is, he's like, there are three steps you need to follow if you want to think in a more helpful way really the first is you need to recognize habit loops when they happen and so he mm. talks about habit loops and what they are and that you that you um you know have a thought about something so you do the action you feel a certain way and there you know there's a cue yeah. you do something you get rewarded for it so then you do it more you know like he talks about this he says first you need to recognize that that's step one Step two is that you need to be mindful about what is happening when you are in the habit loop and how the reward actually feels. And so he says you have to retrain your brain to recognize that what you thought was a reward isn't necessarily one. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. So, so, you know, like we often use food as a reward when we're feeling really yeah. crummy because it, it tastes good for a moment. But if we're mindful enough to recognize how that feels in our body, we rec we more, more times than not, we recognize that it actually didn't make us feel better. So we can retrain right. our brain to understand 
that we thought this was a reward, it's not actually a reward. So that's step two. And then he step he says step three, and this is my favorite one. He said you have to find a BBO, which means a bigger, better offer. <laughs> so, so whatever the reward was, you have to find a bigger, better reward. Okay. And you have to build that into your new habit loop. Huh. So I mean, there's tons in the book. So interesting. So many like super specific examples to food and eating and overeating and dieting and like all of that. A lot of stuff about smoking cessation, which was interesting. Um, and then also stuff about anxious thoughts and anxiety. Yeah. But I mean... I don't know. I don't know if unwinding anxiety was the right title for the book. I'm it's telling funny. you, because it it was really like I don't know. Thinking well, <laughs> that's what thinking better. That that should be the title. Huh. Anyway, it was it was great. I'm really excited for you to read it. I'm really excited for Tim to read it so that we can have a, a good convo about it because there's lots in there. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to say that I didn't for some reason when you mentioned it borrow it, but oh I thought I just said that it was available and I just borrowed it. Oh um maybe it wasn't. How interesting. Uh anyways, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fifteen weeks. Maybe it'll come to me as a as a skip the line. That's how I read it. I read it as a skip the line. Okay, yeah. And it's only seven hours long. It's nothing I can do that do that in a day. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a quick it was a quick read. So interesting. <laughs> so I, you know, when you you put something on hold, then they put a whole bunch of other books that they think might you might like. And yeah. I this one, the Lost Art of Doing Nothing. Oh, I might just place a hold on that. Just I was to gonna say, say. <laughs> that sounds like that might be interesting. No. Too. Okay, this is funny. It says the lost art of doing nothing. How the Dutch unwind with Nixon, Nixon, N I K S E N. And you're Dutch. Tell me. I don't know that word. Well, you need to figure that out for the next episode. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my mom. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Well, Sandy, what a delight, as per usual. That was a lot of fun. Very informative for me. I'm excited now to get this book. Is it time for us to say goodbye? It is. Goodbye. Farewell. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> You're a theater major. You're a theater major. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> well done tying the end back to the beginning. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm on fire today. <laughs> you are. You are, which is unusual for an evening exactly. recording session. 100%. Totally <laughs> unusual. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, dear. this week, I think I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to ask people on Instagram this week. If you're not following us on Instagram, you can find us at Beyond the Weight HS. And I'm going to ask people what veggie they grab for on the veggie trip. Okay. We're going to see if people are team Sandy or team Henny. Or okay, let's see. <laughs> I don't think anyone's team <laughs> <and> cauliflower. 
No. All right, sounds good. So you have a delightful evening. Thanks everyone for listening. We will chat week. soon again. See you next week. All right. <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. Bye friend.